are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene, online at bethanynaz.org. On Tuesday, I was invited to a lunch for pastors. The people who hosted the lunch is a ministry that was started here in Oklahoma City called Hope is Alive. And Hope Alive has done an incredible job of helping people struggling with addiction. So at one point during the lunch, they said, we're going to now hear from a man whose name is Cole, C-O-L-E, and he's going to tell you a story. And so he stands up and he says, I grew up in Tulsa. My family and I, we attended a Methodist church. And in high school, I was in a car accident. And in order to cope with the pain from the injuries that I incurred in the car accident, I began to take prescription medication to help deal with my struggle. It turned into an addiction, he said. Before long, I found myself trying other drugs and the addiction grew greater. And then in order to support my addiction, I found myself selling some drugs And then I kind of became just a a dealer user. All of that landed me in prison for 10 years. In prison, I was still struggling to figure out how I could cope, and so I joined a gang. I got out of prison after 10 years and uh, was only out for a little while when I went back to prison for selling and doing drugs again for five years. And I was only out for a little while when I went back again for the same reasons for three years. So I'm telling you a guy's story. Guess how old he is? He's not even 40. He's only 39. So I said, my, my, my mom was always kind of that solid person of faith in my life. And she would say, Cole, you've got to turn to Jesus. He said, I would just tell her, mom, I'm not, I'm not one of those guys who gets jailhouse religion. You know, it's not me. And all these years, God kept chasing me, but I kept running from God. I just kept running, running, running. And Cole says, finally, at the end of this three-year stint, I quit running. And he said, the only word that I know really is surrender. It's the best word I can use to tell you what happened to me. I just finally came to God and I just said, I'm, I'm, I'm tired of running. I've been running running, running, and I'm, and I'm finished running. I'm not running from you any longer. I'm, I'm done. I got to have you in my life. And Cole says, what I did not expect was that Jesus changed me completely. He said, I mean, I'm living this life that I've never dreamed I would be able to live. And I've been clean for months, and this ministry is a blessing in my life, and I'm so thankful. And then, and then after his testimony, they, they, they did a song that Maverick City and Elevation does called Mercy. And the words are, I'm living proof of what the mercy of God can do. It was just so moving. And so when you think about the fact that we serve this God who is merciful, meaning that he's full of compassion and he'd much rather forgive people than anything else in the world. When I think about Jesus and the way that he depicted God in the New Testament, he never passed up an opportunity to forgive somebody. And so God, in all of his mercy, reaches down to this man named Cole, 
who has spent 17 of his 39 years in prison, addicted to drugs, drug dealer, gang member. And he says, Cole, I don't want to punish you. I want to forgive you. I have compassion for you. I want to give you a better life. So we're in the book of Jonah. It's the story of another guy who's running from God, right? So I want to go back and just refresh you. Maybe you weren't here last week or you just don't have the story down well and we'll just take a few minutes to refresh. Okay, here we go. In chapter one, verse one of the book of Jonah, we read these words last week. The word of the Lord came to Jonah. Go to the great city of Nineveh. Genesis, Jonah one, verse one. You're with me? The word of the Lord came to Jonah. What do you want me to do, God? I want you to go to the great city of Nineveh. So God, what, what do you want me to do when I get to Nineveh? I want you to preach because God says, I've come to understand that the city of Nineveh is wicked. And, and I want you to preach to the city of Nineveh. And so Jonah thinks about it and he says, you know what? I'm not going. What do you mean you're not going? Yeah, I'm not going. Instead of going to Nineveh, Jonah gets on a boat and he goes the opposite direction. And he goes to a city, heads to a city called Tarshish. But you might remember from the story last week that he's thrown overboard because there's a great storm. And then he ends up going down into the depths of the sea and he's swallowed by a giant fish. And he comes to the lowest moment of his life. And in the lowest moment of his life, he calls out to God and God hears him. And God hears you and me when we call out to him in the lowest moments of our lives. You see, Jonah doesn't want to go to Nineveh because the Assyrians are the enemies of the Israelites. Jonah's an Israelite. I don't want you to save the Assyrians, God. I want you to destroy them. They're our enemies. And so you finally come to this place where God commands the fish to spit Jonah up on dry land and you get to chapter three. You ready for chapter three? In chapter three, verse one, it's very much like chapter one, verse one. And here's what it looks like. I put them together so that you could see the only differences right here. The word of the Lord came to Jonah. Go to the great city of Nineveh. Look at three, one. Then the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh. And so I kind of go, are you serious? Jonah says, no, I'm not going. Gets swallowed by a great fish. Fish spits him out onto dry land. And here's God saying, okay, now go to the great city of Nineveh. You say, Rick, what, what's going on with God? And, 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 and is there something that we learn about God? Because the greatest questions that you and I have in our mind are what is God like and what is God all about? And here's the answer to the question. God will not give up when it comes to saving people. God will not give up when it comes to saving people. He did not give up on coal. He did not give up on the people of Nineveh. He did not give up on me. He did not give up on you. And there's some of you in the room who really need to hear me say this. He will not give up on you if you are running. You can keep running and God won't quit. You can keep on running and God won't give up. 
You can keep on running and God is going to stay after you. You can keep on running and God is still going to come. And somebody else needs to hear me say this. God will not give up on the people that you are praying for. There are many of you in this room who are praying for somebody that you love to know Jesus. And God will never give up on them. So let me take you to chapter three, verse one, and read to you these 10 verses that make up the chapter. You can read the entire book of Jonah in just a few minutes, okay? Three, four very short chapters. And so here we are. Then the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. So here, everything changes. Jonah's learned his lesson, right? Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord, and he went to Nineveh. Now, Nineveh was a very large city. It took three days to go through it. And so when you read about Nineveh, historically, it had a very massive city wall. It was 100 feet thick. Chariots would ride across the top of the wall around the city. It had many towers. It had canals running into and through the city. Um, it was impressive. Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city proclaiming. So he would go a day's journey into the city and he would proclaim, and this is his sermon, 40 more days, Nineveh will be overthrown. That was the length of the sermon. Don't you wish my sermons were no longer than that sometimes? Yeah. 40 more days, Nineveh will be overthrown. So was he a good preacher? I don't know. It was kind of short, but it was really effective because look what happens. The Ninevites believed God. A fast was proclaimed. And all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. It's a sign of mourning. And it even happened to the king. When Jonah's warning reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth, and just sat down in the dust. And this is the proclamation he issued in Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, do not let people, animals, herds, or flocks taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink. This is a citywide fast. Let the people and animals be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows? God may relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. And this is how the third chapter ends. And when God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and he did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened because God is merciful and he's compassionate and God will forgive everybody who wants to be forgiven. That's the kind of God we serve. I remember one day this lady named Peggy who attended my church said to me, she says, uh, hey, my dad is really sick. He's 77. He's never attended a church. He's never professed to be a Christian, but he has lived a really sinful life. She said, I wish you would go see him. He's in the hospital and they don't think he's going to live. And so I remember going to see Mr. Jones. I would go into his hospital room 
The first time I went, she was there, which was helpful because we had conversation. The other times that we went, he really said very little to me. He wouldn't help out the conversation at all. I would try to talk about his daughter Peggy or I would try to brag on his grandkids. He was just laying in the bed on his back, just kind of looking straight up, not at me ever. And so, you know, I would finally end my visit by saying, well, Mr. Jones, it's really good to see you today. Maybe I could pray for you before I go. And he would always say, okay. So I'd pray for him. Next time I went to visit, same thing. Next time, same thing. So I remember getting out of bed one Sunday morning. Sunday mornings are kind of busy for me. I work a lot of weekends in this line of work. And Sunday morning is kind of like one of those mornings where I want to go over my sermon and feel like I'm fully prepared for the day. And I just felt really strong that, that God was kind of leading me to go see this guy. And I'm thinking, before church, you know? And finally, I remember just kind of praying something like this. Well, God, you know, I've, I've given you my best on my sermon. You help me with the sermon and I'll try to help Mr. Jones. I'll go, I'll go see him. Get in my car, I drive over to the hospital, go into his room. There he is, laying on his back. Same thing. Just thought I'd come by to see you. I'm headed to church today. I wanted to come by and maybe pray for you. I've been praying for you. I've been thinking about you some. I'm getting nothing back. And finally, I prayed. When I finished praying, I just looked at the guy to tell him goodbye. And I realized he was crying. I mean, he was moved. I just stopped. Now, people in my church who knew I was going to see him said, he's a mean man. In fact, a guy named Benton said to me, he said, I grew up all my life hearing that Mr. Jones was the meanest man in Murray County. You don't really want that as a title, right? People told me he was a bad man. It was almost like a warning. Be careful. I'm thinking, well, if he's on his deathbed, I'm probably safe, right? I said, Mr. Jones, Something's different today. He shook his head. Big tears pouring down the side of his face. I said, Mr. Jones, I know you're sick, but I, I could leave this world before you leave this world. Who knows? Here's the thing. Whenever we leave this world, we, we need to know that we're right with God and we're ready for heaven. Do you know that you're right with God and ready for heaven? Doug said, no. I said, do you want to be? He shook his head, yes. I'm getting a little bit of eye contact. I said, I would love to pray with you. Would you want to pray? And if I pray with you, it would work like this. I'm not going to let the guy off the hook. He's going to pray. And he said, I want to pray. I said, okay, then I'm going to pray. If you really mean the words that I'm saying, then I want you to repeat them after me, but only if you really mean them. He said, okay. And so I closed my eyes and I bowed my head and I said, Father. And that old man said, Father, I admit that I am a sinful person. And he said, I admit that I'm a sinful person. And then I went through this prayer, but I believe that Jesus is your son and the savior of the world. And in that moment, he confessed Jesus Christ. 
And I confess him from this day forward as the Lord of my life with as many years as I have left or as many days on this earth, I will live to serve Jesus. I will turn from my ways and honor him. And he said all those things after me. And the next day, he died. Do you know what I learned in the book of Jonah? I learned how God feels about people like Mr. Jones. That's what I learned. What I learned in the book of Jonah is how God feels about people who are very far from him. What I learned in the book of Jonah is how God feels about people who don't really have any regard for him. The Assyrians are not good people. Now, I, I grew up with this awesome mother, and my mother loves me so much. She's 87 today, and my mother thinks I'm good looking. She tells me all the time, you're so good looking. How do you stay so slim? My mother thinks I'm like one of the best preachers that maybe there's ever been. My, my mother, she'll take my face in her hands and she'll say, Ricky, I love you so much. She can barely see me. She's almost blind with her sight. If your mother tells you you're awesome, you may be, but you may not be. <laughs> because your mother is biased. Sometimes people will brag on me and I'll say, you're biased like my mama, you know. Now, if God says something about you, it's true. And you know what God says about the people of Nineveh in Jonah chapter one, verse one? He says, the people of Nineveh are wicked. So I don't know how to sugarcoat it. These are some bad dudes in Nineveh. If you want to read about it, you can. Historians have gone to great length to make sure that you understand how cruel and how mean the people of Nineveh were, not only to their enemies, but to some of their own people. These were bad people. These were sinful people. These were rough people. These were barbarian kind of people. But you know what? God loved the people of Nineveh. You're like, how? Because God loves everybody. God loves all people. I, I keep saying it over and over again because I'm not convinced that everybody in the room believes it. God loves you and there's nothing you can do about it. God loves you and it's not dependent on your behavior. There's a difference in being forgiven and being loved by God. And let me tell you, there's not a person in the room that is not loved by God. God's nuts about you. I'm talking crazy love. And you know what God wants to do to people who are far from him? He doesn't want to destroy them. He wants to change their lives. He wants them to live their best possible life, not only in this world, but in the world to come. So I talked to you a few minutes ago about how that God just won't give up when it comes to saving people. And this is the story of Nineveh. God would not give up on the people of Nineveh because he loved them. Just like he loved Cole, just like he loved Mr. Jones, just like he loved me, just like he loved you, and just like he loves the people that you're praying for. Don't you give up on them because God is not going to give up on them. I was in a restaurant not long ago, 
And, uh, and in the restaurant, um, I'm talking to a guy across the table from me. He attends our church. And uh, I was at the end of the restaurant. And I can see most of the restaurant, the people in the restaurant kind of, you know, going that way. He's sitting here, but over kind of just at this angle, just, you know, a little ways from me, there's this lady who looked like maybe she was about maybe in her early 70s, maybe 10 years older than me. And she's eating by herself. And, uh, and I noticed that she's looking over at me quite a little bit. And I'm okay with it. I think maybe she might attend the church and I, I haven't met her yet. You know, maybe she knows me. I, I don't know. But she kept looking. And, you know, finally, I, I get to become pretty aware of the fact that she's looking at me the entire time. I mean, she might look down to take a bite, but then she's looking back at me and I'm kind of getting uncomfortable. I'm like, I know I'm good looking, but you're wearing it out here. You know, this is, I, I really didn't think that. Danny Thomason would have thought that, but I did not think that. And so the lady keeps looking and she's looking. And finally, I'm thinking, okay, I think she's staring and I don't think it's a pleasant look. I think she's looking at me like, you know, she could stare a hole through me. And finally, after about 30 minutes of this, I'm just like, okay, I interrupt the guy and I said, hey, sorry to do this, but something really weird's happening. And I think maybe I need to go address it. I don't know what to do. And I just said, just over your shoulder, there's a lady, she's by herself and she has been staring at me for like 30 minutes. And so the guy kind of goes, and then he says, I don't, think she's looking at you. And I said, what? And he said, there's a television right over your head. I think she's looking at the television. You know, those moments when you realize it's not all about you and you thought it was, but it wasn't. Do you want to say that to Jonah? I mean, honestly, just a little bit of you. Do you want to say to Jonah, it's not all about you. It's about the people of Nineveh. And you know what God would say? No, it's about Jonah too. I'm giving Jonah a second chance. And in chapter four, he gets a third chance and a fourth chance. <laughs> Because when God says he loves everybody, he means everybody. And it's about Jonah. You say, how are you so stinking convinced that God loves everybody so much and it's about everybody? Well, there's lots of verses in the Bible, but the most popular verse in the world reminds us of it. And I know it's the most popular verse in the world because the internet says it's the most popular verse in the world. It's John 3.16, and here's what it says. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that I, I didn't hear you. Can you say it louder? Whoever surely means Jonah, right? And it surely means the Ninevites and it surely means you and it surely means me and it surely means the people that you're praying for, right? Whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. I'm trying to tell you that God loves everybody, even a disobedient prophet named Jonah. And if he loves Jonah, let me tell you something. He loves you. And if he's willing to give Jonah a second chance, he's willing to give you a second and third and fourth and fifth chance. I'm just trying to say that God is not going to give up on you ever, ever, ever. And he's not going to give up on the people that you're praying for ever, ever, ever. So don't you give up because God's never going to give up on them. And so he goes and he preaches this sermon. Here's, here's the sermon. 40, 
40 days, right? Uh, and Nineveh will be overthrown. It's a really short sermon. That's all he says. But you got to think about what he must look like. He's been in the belly of a fish for three days. And so this guy who naturally has olive skin and black hair is probably bleached white skin and bleached blonde hair. And his clothes are probably hanging on him. I think I would have believed it's what they did. They believed. And they called a time of fasting and mourning. And the king even got involved and said, give up your evil ways. This God may show compassion. And when God saw what they did, he relented. Let me tell you what God does. When people repent, God will forgive their sins and save them. So think about this. You are going one direction. Okay, that's the direction you're going. You're going this direction, really as hard as you can go, okay? You're just going this direction with your life. This is the direction you're walking in, okay? God's, God's back there. But like Jonah, you're not walking toward God, okay? No, no, no. If God's here, you're running from God. Going the wrong way. Going away from everything that God wants for you. And repentance is simply this. When you stop and you turn around and you begin walking toward God. That's repentance. Repentance is not saying, I'm sorry because I feel guilty and I want to feel better, at least for a day or two. No, repentance says, I've been walking this direction. I've been running from God, away from everything that God wants for me, and I'm going to stop right here. And I'm turning around. And now I'm going to walk toward God. That's repentance. And when a person repents, God forgives them and saves them. That's what God did for Cole. It's what he did for the people of Nineveh. It's what he did for Mr. Jones. It's what he did for me. It's what he did for you. It's what he's wanting to do for the rest of you. It's what he wants to do for the people that you're praying for. Don't quit praying. God won't give up. You shouldn't either. So when we talk about God being merciful, I'm telling you, in my own life, I'm living proof of what the mercy of God can do. Mercy is simply this, as I close, compassion or forgiveness shown toward someone that you have the right to punish. God says, you've sinned. I can punish you. It's not what I want to do. I have compassion for you. I want to forgive you. I want to show you mercy. And so, as we close this morning, I want you to hear a song. It's a song that moves me every time I hear it. Maverick City and Elevation wrote it and produced it. Simply called Mercy. I'm living proof of what the mercy of God can do. And as we celebrate our own story today with this song, we're also telling our story, which there's power in that. So I think what we should do in these next few minutes is simply this. Just say, you know, God, we're in your presence here. And so there's altars always here. You can always come and pray. It could be there's somebody who wants to do this. You want to come and you want to say, A, B, C. I admit to you that I have sinned and they're unforgiven. I believe that Jesus is your son and the savior of the world. 
and I confess him now as Lord of my life. I will follow him for all the days that I have left. To admit my sin, to believe upon Jesus and to confess him as my Lord. That may be the prayer that you're ready to pray today. And so we have these altars and they're simply that, a place to pray. It, it may be that you've been praying for somebody for a long time. And today you want to come here and pray for them. Because God's not going to give up on them. You shouldn't give up on them either. Keep praying. So in these next minutes, just whatever you feel like you should do to pray from where you are, to come here and pray, to stand, to be seated, to bow your head, to open your eyes. If you're in God's presence. Just respond as you feel like God's leading you to respond.
mercy church so grateful grateful a word of benediction for us today as we close our time together now may the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ the great shepherd of the sheep by the blood of the eternal covenant equip you with everything good that you may do his will working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ to whom be all glory and honor forever and ever and all the church said amen amen God bless you as you leave this place thank you for coming today You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at bethanynaz.org.